on today's episode of Created. Yeah, it was on the six o'clock news in Germany. The same day? Yeah. Get out of town. Yeah, I don't even. Wow. Yeah, it was just these things were happening that I, we just couldn't get our heads around, like the the, the way it exploded. <laughs> Welcome to Created, the Advertising and Design Club of Canada podcast that uncovers how some of the best campaigns get made. Theme music and recording studio Care of Grace and Music. And I'm Loranda Martin-Evans, founder of Fellow Human Creative. On today's episode, we're with Laurie Davison, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer of the Royal Ontario Museum. And previously, she led brand and strategy at SickKids, where she was the architect of the Versus campaign. Today, we're going to unpack great campaigns from the client side and what it takes to be a true partner. Lori, I am thrilled to welcome you to the show. Thank you, Lorenda. I'm very happy to be here. This is so good to get this side of the perspective. You're our first, air quotes, client to come (laughs) on the show and reveal all the secrets. So you weren't always on the client side, as I, I hear. You actually started on the agency side. That's correct. Actually, I would say I've spent most of my career agency side. Uh, this is sort of new to me. These last uh, couple of um, stints, client side is uh, really? a new experience. Yeah, I am. Um, the The largest period of agency for me was at BBDO. Okay. Um, and uh, after that, uh, Leo Burnett uh, yeah. for a couple of years, and then from Leo Burnett, it's when I made the the switch over to SickKids and client. Oh, okay. So I'm fascinated on how you made the transition and why. And I imagine all the learnings from the agency side, bringing that over, gave you such a unique perspective. So why don't we start before we get into the work? Talk to me about agency side. How about BBDO? Let's start there. So what were you doing there? So I was was an account leader uh, there. I was hired originally to run FedEx and uh, the government business. Um, BBDO had a pretty significant portfolio of uh, government of Ontario files. Uh, so I came on to run those. And then I eventually transitioned uh, to leadership role in RBC. And that was probably the most formative sort of work that I did there. I was associated with a lot of really great creative campaigns coming out of there on a lot of different clients. But from a leadership brand strategy perspective, it was really RBC that um uh, had the biggest impact on me and where I feel I sort of made the biggest impact on the work. So what was the the work that you launched? What was the RBC work? Oh, so I was I was mainly leading work associated with their uh, Olympic sponsorship and the brand. So yep. the so the macro level kind of brand work. And I joined uh, sorry, started on that on that client um, at a really great time in the sense that Jim Little had just joined the organization there as chief brand officer. And anyone who knows him, um, he that man is an agent of change, uh, if, you know, if nothing else. And so he came in with a real vision to overhaul RBC as a brand and to create much greater relevance uh, for the brand. And uh, had sort of the the energy and the uh, the personality um, and the leadership qualities to actually get that done, and so I I started on the business at the same time he did, and uh, he became um, he was he was he's probably the person that has been the most influence on me in terms of understanding how to be a good client. Like um, we really personally got along really well. We really you know, got each other. Uh, but I learned, mostly I just learned a lot from watching him about what to do and what not to do, frankly, uh, in that kind of situation. So the work that we uh, that we did together was around launching a new brand platform for RBC through the vehicle of the Olympic sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So we did, um, we introduced um, what became known as RB, this little banker yes, guy. with the bowler hat. With the bowler hat. Yeah. So that was created by uh, Carlos Moreno and Peter Ignazzi. Yep. And I I will take credit for dragging them onto RBC. <laughs> they didn't want to work on a bank? Yeah, they did not. At the time, it was the exact opposite of who they thought they were as yeah. creatives. 
but I think either of them would say that it actually shaped their career in a sense because it was at BBD, you know, if you could run that business, you could run the agency um, creatively. And so I think, you know, the three of us sort of grew together through that experience. And we launched, um, yeah, we launched Arby uh, through the 2000, and I don't want to say the date, it sounds so long ago, eight Olympics, uh, I think. Um, does that make sense? And uh, we did the Olympic torch relay uh, and sort of established that new brand platform mm -hmm. icon for RBC uh, uh, that, um, you know, went on to actually do everything it was supposed to do uh, for that brand. Um, and uh, it was a huge success story from a case study perspective. Because uh, specifically RBC had been seen as what? At, b before RB, was it sort of like an older? Yeah, the challenge for them was that thing. they were seen as highly competent, mm -hmm. but lacking warmth. Okay. And so... By contrast, uh, you know, they, they would be looking at TD Bank as a brand that had launched this notion of comfort, was seen as very accessible, was really winning in terms of bringing on, you know, sort of day-to-day -day banking clients. Like they were, TDs were really effective at filling the funnel of, of sort of people just opening bank accounts and then bringing them along for lifetime value. Whereas RBC, uh, seen as highly competent, that's where I want to go you know, if I have wealth, um, mm -hmm. I believe in, you know, their, their ability, but, um, you know, didn't have very good traction with small business, with sort of smaller, the masses, yep. um, uh, weren't, were seen as not accessible and not warm. So Arby was created to inject humanity and warmth without letting go of this, the strength of like the competent banker, trusted, you know. So he was very much, you know, he very much brought the strategy to life and um, over time actually surpassed the green chair in terms of brand link and all really? these things that, yeah. Because he, and he was, for those who don't know, he was a cartoon, right? He was like the little <laughs> yes. character that you created. Yeah, he was. Um, Which for a bank was a big deal at the yeah, time. Yeah, at the time there, there was no... Um, example of using animation mm -hmm. it was really um uh, seen as a really bold creative move uh yeah. in the financial sector uh, like of course that changed um everyone started embracing that but it was yeah it was pretty it was a pretty brave bold step for especially for that bank in particular who are uh, very risk averse and yep. traditional and uh, really are the blue suit bankers. Yep. But I think what Pete and Carlos did was really to take that strength and sort of, you know, lean into it. And uh, uh, I really love what they did creatively with that. So then from BBDO, you said you ended up at Leo Burnett. Yeah, I was actually brought over to Leo Burnett to run the TD Bank business. So again, ah, another there you FI. go. Yeah. Like, we love what you did. We want <laughs> yeah. your magic. That's right. So you go to Leo to run that piece of business. Yeah. And it's from there that you decide to make the leap to Sick Kids. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I went. The reason I took the role at Leo Burnett was that I they had just won TD, and it was a it was going to be a different kind of. Um, opportunity for me, something I hadn't done before, which was to onboard an entire piece of business. And it was the, the biggest um, account in the agency. It's one of the biggest accounts in the country, TV, yeah. actually. Yeah. And so the challenge of sort of building that and getting it uh, up and running was the new opportunity for me from an agency role perspective. And that appealed to me. Uh, but at the same time, I did sort of think that there was it would be my last agency role I oh, you knew that yeah I really did. yeah it was sort of I liked the difference of going in and doing that but then I my sense was that I would get to a point where it was going to start to feel really familiar you know d doing brand work on a bank and I, I at the time I wasn't really um ambitious around the idea of like running an agency like moving into a more of an operations role mm -hmm. I really love the work Mm -hmm. and strategy and so for me it was about thinking about the next opportunity to really lean into strategy and brand um, and potentially 
you know, not agency side. So I was sort of put out the feelers around where I might go next. Um, number one priority for me was for it to be a brand that I could get really excited about. Not obviously sick kids. Yeah, but but you go into interview for sick kids, or or I'm sure you met with a number of different yep. marketing opportunities. How, how do you how do you make the trend? Because you went into a pretty big role actually when you moved over to sick kids. How did you? convince like did you go and take any courses or anything or did you, like how did you make the transition um uh, i mean what they were looking for there um really was brand strategy okay. they were um so the 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 sort of that function at sickens foundation marketing communications had been historically much more pr led and they knew that they were and this came from like the level of ceo and the board that they were going to be moving into a massive fundraising campaign. And the um, the job to be done was really about investing new voltage in the brand. And they didn't really have that skill set in, in, in-house. And so when I was, you know, that was really what I, what my career had been about was um, big brands, you know, transforming big brands and, uh, and so I think it was an easy, easy for them to see the fit. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think, um, I think it was a good fit on both sides. Actually. So was it, it was a natural transition for you to, well, to go into that role? It, it, aspects of it were. Okay. Like the, the actual strategic work was right in the zone, like of, of work that I'd done. And um, I was really passionate about it. And I sort of was excited about what could be done there. It was clear to me, like developing a vision for it was pretty straightforward. Having said that, the the role of being a client is very different from the role of being an agency leader. Right. More different than I anticipated. Okay. Frankly. So talk to me about that. So you get dropped in. Yeah, I got dropped in. And you're like And I think what you know, it's stuff. hard to hard to really understand until you've lived the difference is the the way the buck stops here client side is a really different feeling from agency and I didn't I've always felt really accountable and invested agency side in terms of ideas working and results and I definitely cared Um, it's very different when you're on the client side and that decision is is yours and the results, you know, um, win or fail, it's really at your door in a different kind of way. And I've talked to friends who have made the same transition from mm-hmm. agency to client, and they have the exact same experience that for when you first start realizing that y- this is your decision and you are alone <laughs> oh, man. in it, yeah, um, it's just a different feeling. And I... Um, so, so that that was one aspect of it, uh, and then the other thing that I, which was really healthy, actually turned out to be, but it was an adjustment. Was as you as you move into more senior roles in account management agency side, you've got this sort of incredible bank stre- bench strength of resources around you. Yes, and especially at Leo Burnett, I had I had two excellent planners uh, working with me on TD. Jason Last, who's gone off and he's doing his own thing now, and Will Eagle, who's a digital planner who's now in LA. But they're just incredibly smart um, planners. And I, you know, working there, I had so many great people that it would be a matter of just sort of pointing things in a certain direction. And people would pick it up and you know, do the work and flesh it out and put pen to paper on all these things. And then going client side, like there was no one to do that. And I had to work that muscle again of actually uh, organizing, structuring my thoughts in decks, like building decks again, and, uh, uh, you know, expressing strategy, uh, just doing the work of putting pen to paper. And so that was a big, you know, change but i'm so glad that that i was forced through that because i i could still do that now like i'm i've i've got that muscle and um but it's yeah so there were there was you know 
there was a there was a lot of hard work in terms of making the personal transition uh, to a place where I could be effective. Um, but it, it's it was all worth it. So you so you know you're coming into sick kids during this mat. That's the 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 brief is this massive fundraising campaign. Yeah. So, and you're on this steep learning curve because yeah. you come in, you're like, yes, I can do this. I'm going to be awesome at this job. And then you're going, <laughs> like, I'm learning all new skills. Right. Or at least, you know, rehoning the stuff that you usually had so much support doing. Right. What, where does it start? Did Sick Kids have an agency? How did you reignite those old connections to, yeah. to bring the work here you did? Um, so, part of the mandate for me when I was hired, and it was very clear, um, was to do an agency review. They, yep. they, the uh, the organization felt that what they were doing was um, reorganizing the entire brand marketing communications um, aspect of fundraising in preparation for this new campaign. And so part of that was, do we have the right resources in place? Do we have the right leader in place? Do we have the right... And so uh, when I arrived, uh, J. Walter Thompson had the business, and they'd had it for a number of years. And um, I let them know early on that this was part of, we were going to be going through this process of a review. Uh, as soon as I started, there was um, a campaign on the table. Uh, Ryan Spellacy yep. uh, was the creative leader on that. Beautiful campaign called Better Tomorrows. So I did... Um, I did some work with J. Walter Thompson. It was a great experience. Um, we launched that campaign. And in the meantime, it was about sort of ramping up for the next thing, the new, a new brand platform, you know, a strategy for supporting the campaign. Uh, so coming out of that first phase of creative work, uh, we, did, we did a review. Yep. And um, uh, J. Walter Thompson chose not to participate in the end. And the the uh, it was awarded to Cassette. So you reunited with Peter and Carlos. Yeah, which was a bit. Um, they were just leaving BBDO. Like Cassette was already in the review before Pete and Carlos were leaders oh, really? there. Yeah, I didn't it know was, that. Yeah, it's sort That's of cool. Everything sort of happened in a in a um, interesting kind of sequence of events. But yeah, it ended up being Cassette with. Pete and Carlos as the creative leaders. So talk to me about the process, because I'm so curious. Uh, I, we hear the stories mostly from the creative point yeah. of view on the show. Talk to me about that process of working with Cassette and how you came to that great work. Because Carlos came on the show and he told the story of like um, getting a hotel war room and like revealing <laughs> the work. And it was just like, it was on a t-shirt, if I remember yeah. the story correctly. But but tell me the story from your side. So you you, you how do you onboard Cassette from the beginning for this a huge task, right? Branding. Well, I'll say that. Um, I mean, the, the good thing about the process is that we went into the RFP with the task defined. Like it was really clear. Uh, I think the language was uh, quantum leap in um, for the brand, and that came from your. Like, of, that was, was our brief. Wow. Yeah, yeah. and um, so it was really, if I recall, like pretty clearly outlined in the RFP what what the job was so all of the all the agencies came in um pitching understanding what was in in front of them and uh and so we were because of that because they you know the the rfp had the brief in it uh, if i recall we were able to get to work pretty quickly um we gave ourselves trying to think how this went gave ourselves about six months um, to get to a creative presentation. And uh, Pete and Carlos adopted um, a way of working that we had actually used at BBDO called a workout. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, I think it's like a five-day exercise. It's off-site. So in this case, it was at the Drake. And it begins with the client coming in the room and sort of formally delivering the brief, which has already been somewhat well understood and, you know, collaborated on. But, you know, this is sort of, the client comes in, delivers the brief, uh, there's conversation, questions, and then the client leaves. And they are all kind of holed up there for a couple of days. 
and then their clients brought back in for a tissue. Like on day five um, or whatever it is? No, I think it's like two two or three days in. Like they're, It's like an intensive oh, like wow, three yeah. days okay. where they're just, it's all they do. And they bring you in. And at that point, there's a lot of ideas. Like there's tissues, all of post-it notes everywhere. It looks like a war room. Yeah. Just ideas. And they walk you through their thinking and like things that are like kind of bubbling up and things that they had thought about but then dismissed and it's very iterative very kind of loose and um it's a dis it's a discussion and they sort of look for invite you actually to um offer up the things that you're that you're reacting to like what's what feels like a spark to you uh it's a really um fascinating healthy kind of dialogue between client and agency having done it agency and then as a client I think it's a great process so from that there would be maybe five or six things that everyone goes yeah there's this is where you know something's here and then I think it's another two days you go away again client and then you come back and now there are formed ideas and usually like three and in this case, there were three. And one of them was Sickids Versus. And it was just a t-shirt with Sickids, like just a drawn in marker, Sickids Versus. And uh, we just, I, I just said, there it is. Really? Like, literally, that was it. It was like, the other two things were smart and great, but um, we bought it in the room. In, what? In five minutes, and that was it. So, okay, so, but now, how was that for you? This is your, this is, like you said, the buck stops here. It's a whole different thing when you're on the client side. This is your first major campaign as a, as a client. Yeah. How, how did you gut check yourself or no, or, or did you just, you just knew from all your experience on the agency side that this idea was going to move mountains for sick kids? How, how did you know? Or how did you trust yourself? Um, I mean, to me, it was so easy to recognize the power of it. And I think, you know, it was, we'd had all these conversations. I mean, we were talking to each other for four or five days. Um, and I think we the brief was really uh, well-crafted. The I guess at that point, I was just looking for something that articulated in a really clear way something and something that had a lot of emotion packed into it that was iconic and simple enough that it could be a platform like it, it wasn't just going to be an ad campaign it was going to be a platform and if it could be and it was simple enough that it made sense to me on a t-shirt yeah then it had the power and clarity to to do what it needed to do and so that was it so, because so often we we build, I'm saying we, like the creative community, we build these big polished decks to present to you. And there's like yeah. this sort of long walk with many slides setting up the strategy before we get to a billion scripts to show you. <laughs> it sounds to me like you prefer this sort of, this workout way of, of work, because you, you saw it on a t-shirt. You didn't, there were no scripts, right? No scripts. So then how did you know not... <laughs> like, how did you know to say, forget the other two, which are still great. Those are great ideas. I yeah. just, did, what did you say next? Did you say, okay, show show me what this looks like? Um, yeah, well, we I knew that the next phase was to blow it out into execution. Um, I, I will say that I, you know, part of my strategy in terms of stakeholder engagement, all that was to bring my CEO on the journey with me. So okay. he was in the room. He, had, he came to the Drake. He came to the Drake oh, that's cool. for that presentation. He wasn't in the any of the lead up discussions. Like yep. with it, like I was there, um, but he was there with me. So I just wanted him to own it from the beginning. Yeah, but he let me like make the decision, and um, and later on, like a year later, when we actually launched, he came up to. Jay Cheney and I at the launch event and he said I'm going to tell you now you know what I didn't get it 
<gasps> what? <laughs> but because I really didn't get it, you know, until until he started to see the execution, and then he was he was a huge champion and fan. But in that meeting in that room, looking at that tissue on the wall, fair enough. Like how you know, to your point, like it's a lot to just sort of it's a leap of imagination, right, to understand how that can turn into something. But um, it, it, what that speaks to to me most is the level of trust he had. Um, which is so much a part of why Zikid's versus was a success story was the faith and trust of of my CEO Ted Gerard. That is such a cool story. Okay, so then, so then, how do we get to Tigers? Like, take take, <laughs> take me to that. So you, you bought off on the T-shirt. Yeah. The the big platform idea is so. It, you said it's a leap of creativity, but you could see it. Yeah. What happens next? So what I tasked the team with, and I I, I, want, I just want to emphasize because I think they don't get named enough, but Craig McIntosh and James Zentel are the creative force behind Sickets Versus. The, like, it is th- those guys. And so, um, and they were in the room and Craig presented the t-shirt. So, um, those guys are amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Uh, and great people. Great on to- people. On top of it all. Amazing. On top of their creative genius. Exactly. Yeah. They're the best. Uh, so, Craig and James were tasked with putting together what I needed uh, to be successful was some sort of manifesto type thing. Like, you know how that goes. Yep. And I knew um, there was going to be a considerable roadshow involved in getting this thing to see the light of day. And so I wanted us to be set up for success. And so they were tasked with developing a script that would bring verses to life. Okay, and so they they wrote a script which we turned into a. Um, it, it wasn't a rip. It really was a spot, uh, but it was uh, Mark, Mark Zebert was involved right away. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Helped develop the this sort of he Mark likes to use the term mood film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's call it a mood film for. Uh, for Sick Kids Versus, but it had a Kanye West track on it. It was completely unapologetic. It was 100%, you know, ballsy and yeah. like hard hitting. And um, the that was hugely important um, because I didn't want to pretend this was going to be something other than it was, what it was. Didn't want to, like, I think there's a tendency to kind of like give people the easy to, swallow version of the creative mm-hmm. so that they don't get scared and i wanted to do the opposite i wanted to say this is what you're buying <laughs> this is what it's going to be because i i didn't want any kind of bait and switch so that's what they made they made this video like i said at a kanye west track on it i think it was called nazi skinhead like some, some like, yeah just like, like an it outrageous. outrageously you know and, and, and then and the visuals were the visuals were just kind of pulled from... Um, like, Zebra didn't shoot anything. No, this. He was didn't just helping anything. build a move. Yeah, okay. yeah, it was just stock and stuff. But but to your point about the ba- like the bank doing the animation, that that was a shift for us, for us at Children's Hospital. Because the work before, the children's, the sick kids' work, yeah. was like really emotional, black and white kids. Like, it had like a a lot of... Yeah, heartstrings. Heartstrings, and it was, yeah. you, you know... And now you're playing Kanye West. Yeah, <laughs> you're taking these like really aggressive images. How, how, how do, do we do, do that? Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess I should go back to the strategy. I mean, the strategy was about so the job at hand was to raise. We, Peter always joked about this. We told them it was a billion, and then it ended up being one point three billion that we needed to raise. Um, uh, and that talk about quantum leap that amount of money had never been raised before in the history of canadian healthcare so huge amount of money and sickkids was really good at sort of at at marketing and fundraising with this um traditional donor who's a woman 45 plus with children in her life mm-hmm. and very successful at sort of putting out really good creative that would pull on heartstrings, open wallets, and you know, raise money for the hospital. What we realized is that we weren't going to get to this new quantum level 
by talking to the same woman and telling her things she already knew and thought about sickets. Mm-hmm. More of the same wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. What we needed to do was bring in a completely new audience. And that is, it was younger and more male. So the male side of it was important. And, um, and so the brief to Cassette was to jolt the potential donors who are sitting on the sidelines. So it was about disruption. The whole brief was about disruption. And what, and this was Craig who coined this, um, where they went, like in terms of strategy and tone, was performance brand. Okay. And, yeah. and this no, and, and this insight that SickKids, you know, is this hospital that cares for families and kids, and there's all kinds of warmth there. But it's also this incredibly high-performing institution. And Toronto loves SickKids for its stature as one of the great children's hospitals in the world. In the world like, that's yeah. another aspect of the brand that we love in Toronto and was untapped. You know, that was the side of the story that wasn't really told in advertising. We were doing kind of what every children's hospital does and can do. So their their insight was to lean in to this performance side of things. And that's why seeing SickKids verses on a t-shirt was easy, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, there it is. That's yeah. like bullseye. They got it. And then from there... It was from an execution standpoint, just delivering on that and not doing it halfway. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't be do the children's hospital version of Nike. Do Nike, and that's where you know they didn't hold back, and that's why that was the shift. And and because the strategy was so tight on why would we do this? Do it. It was easy to to put that in front of people and say. You have to admit this is on strategy. So, so let's talk about that because on your side of the fence, yeah, you have you mentioned there's a lot of stakeholders for this roadshow that you have to get on on board. Yes, does that fall on you? Does the agency yes. come with? Okay, so t- talk to me about. So now you got this yeah. beautiful piece of film with Kanye. Yes, what do you do? So I'll say that the stakeholder engagement strategy. I think this and back to the Jim Little and RBC experience. This is something I learned from watching that, how to do it well. Um, So how you do it well, which did not happen at RBC, (laughs) is you start at the top okay, and you get alignment. So we had, so my CEO in the room with me, getting him, and then there's a other CEO at the hospital itself. So I was on the foundation side, then there's the institution. So the first meeting we had, was with the CEO of the hospital and his head of strategy at Cassette. And we presented that video and the creative to uh, to those people for buy-in. Mm-hmm. And it took, you know, it was like a bit of a shock and awe. Yeah. Um, but his name's Mike App. Connie's not there now, but Mike, um, the CEO, sent a note like within 24 hours and and just said i'm in i'm all in wow okay and and from there we went to the boards and then we hit us it was and it became so once you've got that consensus then the rest of it was more about i don't want to underplay it but more of an fyi in the sense of you want to listen and engage people but they're not invited to make the decision the decision's already made and so we we spent a whole year going and we and we took the advice of the hospital leadership on who do we need to talk to who needs to be brought in all the way through the organization right to the patients themselves we had a they have a patient advisory council craig and i went in and presented the creative to patients wow and to the parents and to like the whole like the kid, ki- the children. When you say patients, you you mean children. children? Yes, there's a there's a council of children. That's, um, that's incredible. And we present. They loved it. Yeah, they just absolutely loved it. And oh, uh, that's so cool. Saw themselves in it. You know, in a way, it was the first. Like it made them proud to be a sick kids patient. Like what what more do you want than that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was 
it was a journey, but I think the order of events uh, kind of set us up for success. So then talk to me about actually making the film because it is such an incredible piece of, yeah. of cinematography and artistry and, and, and music coming together. How, how does that script manifest itself and, and how did you play a role? Uh, how did I play, play a role? Like, how, how did they get the tiger in there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mainly played a role by getting out of the way. I mean, I would say okay. that, I think, I would say that, um, you know, it was Craig James and Mark Siebert who were the creative force behind that launch film. And, um, and then I had people, like, extraordinary people on my team at SickKids who um, understood how to bring patients along and and doctors and nurses to be part of it and like uh we were it was very collaborative that way so we played a huge role client side in facilitating the production like more than i think more than you can even imagine how how important the sickids internal team is to making these things happen uh and um but in terms of the creative vision I mean, I just have so much trust in Mark, Craig, and James that, and we talked all the time, and uh, I really saw my job as mostly to get out of the way and let them do their thing. Um, mutual trust there. I think they'd tell me things that, you know, they knew I should know and uh, um, trusted me that I was going to, you know, not ruin the spot. <laughs> so, and the spot is spectacular, but yeah. I imagine, you know, you're you're about to launch this thing into the public. Yeah, how was it unveiled? Were you nervous, excited, all of the above? What happened on the launch day? I was just excited, and but the launch day, I will is a day that I think a group of us will never forget. Uh, so, the strategy that we had was actually an earned media strategy. So. My uh, PR director uh, and I worked to get um, Toronto Star and Globe and Mail both in the fold as we were developing the creative for the launch. So they had um, exclusive stories that they were going to launch day of, and that, that worked out. So the engine for the launch had a lot to do with that news coverage, but we had an event at the hospital. Uh, we invited all the patients that were in it in in the in the film, all the families to come to the, there's a cinema inside the hospital to come there, and we debuted it for them there. And media were invited, and um, uh, and it just it was just like a lightning struck. Like it, I, you know, I we were excited. I had you know no hesitation about it at all. But I didn't anticipate the degree to which it would just just ignite the city um, on that day. Like we went, we left the launch and we went to, we just had lunch, the cassette team and a couple of people on my team. And our phones were just like blowing up. I, I like, I think we'll all, we're all wearing our versus t-shirts from the launch and just sat in silence, like trying to take in what was happening. It was um, pretty phenomenal. And not just the city, the country, the the world was it, taken by that piece of film. Yeah, it was on the six o'clock news in Germany. The same day? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of town. Yeah, I don't even. Wow. Yeah, it was just, these things were happening that I, we just couldn't get our heads around like the, the the way it exploded oh my goodness that's an incredible story yeah and so from that now you've built enormous trust there's a groundswell that the whole country is behind and then you map out all these beautiful pieces that fall out of it which was really really cool what was that process like how do you keep such a great campaign going yeah that was um i mean that's another thing i learned um from a brand strategy perspective from working on RBC was the power of repetition and really staying, not trying to do, like really building the sandbox and staying in it and, you know, and getting creative and, and doing lots of cool things, but define the parameters of your brand and 
and really rely on repetition um, in, for people to come along with you and start to get it. And so, so there were aspects of, of the, the way we defined the Versus platform that we were going to stay very true to and repetitive about and visual devices and certain things. But within that, I also felt it was really important to explore different tones and different kinds of storytelling. Um, it didn't want it to be like a, just a one trick pony, like one one note mm-hmm. of this kind of the undeniable is the name of that spot. So we immediately came out with something that was the opposite in terms of tone, which was a story of, um, of a, a little girl who... Uh, passed away and um so opposite in in the sense of um the subject matter but still embracing a tone of 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 resilience and and um and maximum effort i think to me if the like there's a if there's kind of a core to everything associated with the verses it's always this notion of maximum effort at the center of it and so we did another uh, like a holiday spot about the milk and cookies on the the roof again a different tone but at the center it's about everything this hospital does day in and day out to you know uh, to do everything they possibly can for these kids that's always the center um, so yeah so yeah we just I think the creatives, we're at liberty to to explore all kinds of different topics and storytelling, but um, but I think the that core thought is something that um, connects through all of the work that we did over the next several years. You said when you started talking about the campaign, you had an uh, audacious goal of a billion dollars. Yeah. What what happens with this work? Do you reach it? Oh yeah, it. Uh, when I left, um, we had hit 1.3 billion. It's oh, amazing, uh, and they've they've surpassed it. It's. I think they ended up increasing the goal. I I heard recently to 1.5 billion. Uh, they're gonna. That hospital is getting built. It's. Um, we achieved it. So. You know, you must speak of this this, this process. Uh, you know, you speak at conferences and whatever. What, what do you? What is the takeaway that you want to impart? Is it is it is it trust in great creativity? Is it the willingness to explore new ways of thinking? Like that that one point three billion, I don't think would have been achieved with more work of the same. It was it was the magic of that campaign that you brought forward that ignited a whole different audience of of people willing to donate a whole di- different bunch of wallets that opens up which was your brief right um, what what is what is what can we take away as the partnership between client and agency that made that magic happen well i think you know when we talk about the conferences i have presented this case a number of times um, yeah and one of the one of the learnings that i always put up on the last slide is just this thought match your effort to your ambition. And I think, you know, if you, if you declare a goal, I think lots of, I've seen lots of briefs from clients and so on that, you know, put some big visionary goal on, on paper, but are you really willing to go the distance to do what it's going to take to achieve that? And it's really that. It's like, do you, you know, do you really, do you mean it? And because it, it's going to take, it's going to take some considerable effort. That's amazing. So, so I imagine you're bringing that to your new role at the Royal Ontario Museum. What can we look forward to? And <laughs> uh, I hear there's maybe a new campaign launching. Can you give us a taste? Um, yeah, so we are, I mean, it's, I joined during a pandemic, and we were, um, many of us have uh, kind of had the weird experience during these past couple of years of moving to a different role. Uh, right, there's a lot of yeah. the, the great resignation and movement, and it's, I think it's fun and exciting. It is, yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, if you're a person who loves change, which I, I do. Yeah, me too. Um, but uh, it did put me in a position of, you know, a museum that was closed, and uh, which um, you know, getting out the door with something uh, quickly. I haven't even been there two years, but it it um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a restless person. I like to get stuff out there. Um, so I was sort of, I've been sort of handcuffed in terms of being able to do that. But at the same time, it was sort of a quiet time to um, do the strategic work and some foundational work about developing a new brand idea for ROM. Uh, and uh, I think th th there's a bit of a gift in the, that, ex what's that expression? Um, if you're inside the jar, you can't see the label. So because I, it's given me sort of that perspective on the brand a little bit longer than I might have had if things were sort of, if I was pulled into the everyday. Mm -hmm. So I've what I've been doing is taking advantage of having a, more, a slightly objective view of what this brand is now and what it can become and what, you know, the work is that needs to be done to make that shift. And so we, I've been partnering with uh, Broken Heart Love, Love Affair on a master brand strategy for ROM. And they've brought in as our partner for visual identity, Leo Burnett Design. So Lisa Greenberg. Yeah, fantastic. Um, who, her team has reimagined the brand, the visual identity, which was something that was really needed. And it's looking amazing. So excited. I've never been so happy to stare at a logo i just love it so much um <laughs> looks good on a t-shirt looks I imagine. great on a t-shirt um but the other part of of the work we're doing is a, a platform idea for rom and we will be launching something in the near future that's the plan but I so so when they when you went into Sickets, the, the the ask was very clear right there was yeah. this whole new campaign that needed to go out there's a big fundraising initiative happening what excited you about moving over to the ROM? So it's similar, actually, uh, in a lot of ways. I mean, one to me, the 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 brand attributes that are currently associated with ROM are sort of similar in the sense that it's um, nostalgic, you know, trusted, and a bit recessive. And that was sort of the the way I was looking at the brand when I started at Sickets. Um, and similarly, all this unrealized potential. Uh, you know, people are rooting for the ROM in the same way they're rooting for Sickets. Like they're, uh, if you grew up in Toronto, you've got sort of fond memories of ROM. People want ROM to be something special. And so there's sort of all of this latent opportunity there that has a lot to do with just adding voltage, turning up the volume, you know, expressing a point of view. And um, so I'm excited about that and that opportunity. And what, what drew me beyond that is that there's a vision. So similar to Sick Kids with the, the fundraising campaign, um, Rom has a real vision for reimagining the role of museums in our lives. And I felt in particular, you know, the time when I was thinking about taking the job, where we're at as a society and the themes that we are struggling with and just this liminal moment that we're in with so much change, uh, you know, the ground moving under our feet, so much lack of clarity and confidence in truth and the role that a museum can play in you know providing that pers trusted perspective and addressing these sort of topics of the day and especially rom that has you know natural history art culture we've high you know we've brought on a curator of climate change you know uh, a museum is can uniquely address these like topics that are so pressing in a way that can allow us to have these have conversations to um, you know a part of our mission is to shape a shared future and um, that excites me that uh, to think about becoming this sort of hub for Toronto for dialogue and um, uh, you know, conversations about these, you know, hugely important topics, social justice, climate change, indigenous rights. Rob has a voice on all of these, all of these things and, uh, and a vision to become very central to the discourse. 
And when it comes to launching this new work, which we're all dying to see, how how has the process been? You, you're working with Broken Heart Love yeah. Affair. Can you talk to me about the agency relationship between Rom and that agency? Yeah, sure. I mean, or the creative relationship, rather. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know these people um, yes. from past experiences. So, in a lot of ways, there's a lot of shorthand. Um, and now that Craig and James are there, um, I just feel like my whole family's the, over there. The band's back and together. The band's back together. Yes. Exactly. That's so exciting. It is exciting. Um, yeah. So, it's been, I mean, I've got a very, I've got, I think my creative agency partners would say that I've got a, slightly unique relationship with my creative agencies in that there is uh there is a lot of shorthand um i mean i worked with these people agency side too right so um one thing carlos would say about me is she knows our secrets <laughs> so which is double-edged sword right i i think i know how to help them get to solutions more quickly because i understand what they need uh, on the other hand, I don't, you know, suffer much foolishness because I also <laughs> can, I've seen behind the curtain. Um, so, you know, I think it's a very uh, dynamic relationship. I think it's, um, oh, there's a lot of dialogue. Um, we have, you know, I, I, I think, I think it's a productive relationship. Let me put it that way. I have a I have a hot button topic I've been so excited to ask you oh, about. Oh sure. Yeah. Because I there's different there's different schools of thought on it, but research versus following your gut. How do you stress test an idea? Do you believe in animatics and and qual and quant and <laughs> my feelings on that? Yes, I would love to know. Um, I you know, it's it was a question actually my my current boss, my CEO at Rom um asked me about this when he was interviewing me and my answer, the fact that he liked my answer helped me under, helped me know that we would be good partners. So my answer to that is if you don't have the ability to gauge creative based on your own instincts and experience, you're not in the right job. I love that answer. Lori, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show today um, for sharing your wisdom. We can't wait to see the work for ROM that will be launching soon. Thank you so much for sharing the story of uh, from agency side to client side. And thank you for all the beautiful work you've championed for Sick Kids and what is sure to be brilliant work for the ROM. Thanks so much, Loranda. It's been great talking to you. And thank you so much to the listeners for tuning into the ADCC podcast that proves it's not just about creativity, it's about actually getting it created. The Advertising and Design Club of Canada is a nonprofit organization dedicated to encouraging excellence in Canadian advertising and design. Follow us on Instagram at the ADCC or email us anytime, created at theadcc.ca. 